You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Sid Talk. Yellow. Um, I made a mistake last week. I, I said did. I said that last week's show was 498 at the beginning. <laughs> it was actually 499. So what was is that, that just a PR thing to like not get people too terribly excited for the upcoming 500th episode? I was to say, so the last week I said it was 498. So what mm-hmm. does that make this week's? I know I'm saying, were you, did you do it on purpose so that people wouldn't get too excited? I didn't. I oh. messed up. I see. But anyway, welcome to number 500. You probably just heard. We just played a funny <laughs> a funny song. Um that was our celebration of the 500th. What was your favorite po- what was your favorite movie out of the 500 you, movies? You were asking up? me this this second it's, instead of asking me at a time. I think it's better to put you on the spot. Uh out of the whole 500, I really couldn't tell you my favorite unless we've done Midnight Run. We didn't <laughs> and I don't think we, we have. didn't do that one. <laughs> Oh my god! I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough, tough call. Um, Do you remember? Five hundred. Let me let me say ask you this question then. Do you remember what our first podcast was? Which movie? The Rock. It was The Rock. Well done. That was my favorite. That's the beginning of the whole thing. So there you go. Uh, I'm trying (laughs) to think of my favorite. I like all the movies. Actually, you don't no. like all the movies. I don't like all the movies. I could probably think of the ones I don't like. Is this the before the after the show discussion? Yeah, the 500th okay. anniversary uh, talk. Somebody asked me at work the other day. We were talking about saving money on entertainment. He said, I have no hobbies because I can't afford any hobbies and I work all the time. And I said, well, one of our hobbies, luckily, involves movies, which we love, and doing a podcast, which we love. And that's pretty cheap compared to going out to the movies all the time. And he's like, how would you start that? And I said... We just, we always talk about movies after we watched them. And then you said one time, let's just record it. And then you, you know, when podcasting was just a little tiny baby. And then uh, he's like, oh, have, have you done a few? And I said, yeah, I think we're about to do number 500. And his face was like, oh, that's like a real thing. <laughs> You're really doing a thing. <laughs> he's like, where, where should I go find it? I said, you can get on all the main stuff, iTunes and stuff. Really? <laughs> Yeah. So it was impressive there for one second. We're very professional and very, very impressive. Impressive. We have uh, 500. Uh, we have three numbers to be impressive with. <laughs> well, we've had 300 numbers for a long time. True. In fact, <laughs> 499. We have a five no, and two zeros. We've had 400, 999. Right. However, oh, my God, my math. If we continue with this clip, we eventually we will have four numbers. Correct. So let's celebrate Move it along. the Ford numbers. Um, yeah, so uh, happy 500th show, everybody. Thank you for listening. I hope if you, you listened, listened to one all... or 20 of them, whatever. That's great. I listened to um, our first podcast a few weeks ago when I was uh, putting the applet on my page. It was the first one that came up. And uh, we, I think we have improved. We were pretty... Uh, well, yeah. We were pretty janky. Um, we didn't really have any... 
format we were just rumbling. It was probably the same. <laughs> All right, so uh, it is Saturday, October the 7th. This is after the show number 500. The movie we're looking at this week is Baby Driver. It's a 2017 movie released on Blu-ray. Uh, October, no, it's not released on Blu-ray October. It's released on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, which would be, let me do my math, dun, dun, the 10th. Da. The 10th of October, you can pick this up. More stupid math. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Sony, who uh, sent us a Blu-ray to review. And Sid Talk, give us the short synopsis of Baby Driver. Hmm. Baby Driver is a crime heist, car chase, drama. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the genre. Over 500 episodes, Sid Talk is still man not got the synopsis right. <laughs> you know what? After 500 episodes, you can stop asking me. How's that? Maybe it's a hint Ooh. that you can, from now on, I can say to you, hey, from number 501, tell us the synopsis of this movie and don't read the box. Well. You tell us right now. Synopsis, Baby Driver. A musical-themed movie. Not synopsis with height with a heist with mm. a side of heist. Seems you would need some practice as well. A musical themed movie with a side order of heist. Mm. Not sure about that one. Do you think of that? Not good. Not diner synopsis. Theme, if it's the diner theme. See, I understand what a synopsis is. I just don't do it on purpose because I know it irritates you. <laughs> right. So the synopsis is that. <laughs> so um, this is Edgar Wright's new movie. I am a big fan of Edgar Wright. I, he has not made a film that I did not like. Um, really? Not one? Nope. I liked all these films. Um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Shaun of the Dead, True. Hot Fuzz, uh, World's End, and that is it. <laughs> so he hasn't made a lot of movies, actually. But um, So I'm always excited when a movie by Mr. Edgar Wright comes up. And Baby Driver, I saw the trailer for uh, sometime last year. Did you see the trailer? No. Didn't have any idea what this was about. The trailer didn't really um, sell the music aspect of the movie. The trailer was, uh, you know the scene where they're in the car and they've got the masks on? Mm-hmm. It was mostly centering around that. Like a comedy, like making it look like a yeah. comedy. Which it is not, I don't think. It really isn't. They tried to, they missold it with the trailer. So... Um, yeah, Edgar Wright. I'm always excited to see what he does. And this is a, compared to all his other movies, I think it's a, it's a slightly different direction. It, Scott Pilgrim was like way over the top, kind of comic bookish. This does have a comic book feel as well, I think. You know, because it is larger than life and very, definitely um, designed. Kind of like how Tarantino does films. There's a, there's a certain thing to it. It, it. it has its own rules and it follows them. Like uh, this one in particular, the the kind of the gimmick, as you would say, of the movie is music, and the the whole movie relies on music to push it along. Uh, it, the music isn't forced because it's actually part of the plot, also, and. It's just, you know, I've said it lots of times with movies. Some of the best things in movies for me is when somebody uses music to make a scene better, right? 
Okay. I've said it before, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy obviously did it this year also with the mixtape thing. So it's not a new thing. Um, the, the first Guardians of the Galaxy did it too. Magnolia did it. And it's one of my favorite things. This movie does it too. Um, first off, before we go into any of the plot and everything, what did you think of the uh, music or theme? I enjoy it. I think that at times I get a little bit, um, my little pretentious meter pops up and it's a bit much. Like I can, if it's doled out in a balanced way, I'm cool with it. And some of the scenes were really awesome. Like in the opening when he's going down the street and there's graffiti that matches the words of the songs and, you know, people are doing things that match the words of the songs. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, I did notice. Yeah. That was pretty cool, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then you keep going and going, and every sound goes with it. I am not a huge music video fan, which Kevin Spacey seems to think is a good way to base your movie direction. It got a little much for me, even though I like the music. I like that at times when it stops, then it really does change this character. So that that felt right. But then the groovy scenes of the music, I got a little wary of it, to be honest. There are so, whatever you call weary from it. I don't know. There are a couple, what, what I call like masterful moments of putting music in film and it really working. Um, it works quite a bit in this movie. Um, one of them is, I don't actually know what the tune's called. Um, it's the one where, the, the, like I would say, the post office heist. Mm-hmm. Right, that music there, the dun 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 dun, dun when he's running, and the gunshots are in time to the music. Um, that particular moment where there's some shooting, I thought that was masterful. The other, the other thing I thought really, like, added way more emotion into the scene and told you a lot more about the whole scene was, um, I'll try and be as vague as possible. Um, John Hamm's character pulls the earphone out of his ear and starts to listen to what he's listening to. And he's listening to that Barry White song. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts to read the lyrics to him as he's... And it, the lyrics mean like a threat. It's a big threat. Yeah. Like, I'm coming for you and I'm never going to stop. It's that. It, that's the actual song, I'm never, ever going to stop. And uh, you can see the look in his face. See, I took it the other way. That if the thing happened, that baby would never stop. No, oh, I was seeing it as that from he John would Hamm. Nev- you, you are challenging me, and I'm telling you now from this music I'm listening to, I will never, ever, ever stop. You think I'm not a threat? I'm a threat. That's the way I took it, because he's the one listening to it. True. You know. So you could take it either way, but yeah. I was thinking of John Hamm's literally going to be like the Terminator at this point, and he's kind of comfier. So um, I thought the music was used really well. Uh, I'm not familiar with a lot of the music, to be honest. Were you? Not a lot. Some, but not, no. I not mean, overall. But I'm not a music, you know. I, I, I l- listen to tons of music, so. Edgar Wright loves putting a Queen song in his, um, <laughs> yeah. in his, in his, and they do use, um, Brighton Rock by Queen, which obviously I know that one. And that's Baby's Killer track, as they say. So that's like the finale that they use it. Um, and you know, there's Barry White and there's like Tequila. That, I know that song. I don't mm-hmm. know who it's by, but you know. A lot of the other kind of classic rock tracks that we used, I wasn't familiar with them. I mean, there's a lot of stuff at the beginning, like Nowhere to Run, Nowhere to Hide. We all know that sort of stuff. 
But um, there was definitely a lot of music where, for my personal tastes, it didn't give me the hair standing up on the back of my neck, which I assume he's going for. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know that feeling where you watch a film and the music's all, and the film and everything's just perfect, and it's like, oh my god, this is what movies are about. See, I got that little little bit when he did the song you just were talking about because I was like, right, the Barry White song, yeah. because Baby, the guy, is it seems like a decent guy, and he hasn't been, you know, but underneath it, we have to be told that there's something darker you know what i mean so i was like oh yeah what what also that was one of the best moments with music what also was cool about that scene was um baby's listening to it through one earphone and he grabs the other earphone yeah and then and then the music actually starts it's small and then it starts to fill the room when he puts the earphones back in yeah like the music comes towards the back of it. i thought that was really cool surround soundy thing so yeah I, I really dig the music but like i say it's not 100 percent to my taste but I understand what he was going for. It's you know, it's mostly classic rock and some solely kind of stuff. There is a cool part where um they play Young MC's know how where he steals the um car from the two rapper dudes and then she he show he starts driving really crazy and she's like, Oh yeah, you're not you're not a chauffeur. Yeah. Yeah, that I love that song. So that was a cool moment. But yeah, there's a lot of tunes on it. I immediately went and got the album. I, I knew that you would. Because the, I, there are songs I really like on there, and I definitely could like the other songs. So I think it is a movie that is a lot about the music in the movie. But actually, onto the plot of the movie, what did you think of the actual storyline, how it was presented? I like it. I mean, I think it's something I haven't seen, necessarily. I mean, we've all seen heists, and we've all seen crime, and we've all seen criminals, and bleh, all that. But this was just a little bit different, and I always appreciate that. Yeah, it had, like, um, some elements to it, like, spoilers. <laughs> but these are mild spoilers. Not, I'm not going to spoil the end or anything. Um, but spoilers, you've been warned. Um, Baby, the young getaway driver in this movie, had... An accident when he was a child, an auto accident that left him with tinnitus in his ears. So he has a ringing in his ears. So the reason music plays into the movie is he always wears earbuds and listens to his iPod because it drowns out the ringing in his ears. Did you notice in scenes where his earphones come out that you actually hear ringing in the soundtrack? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, even the beginning of the movie when the logo comes on, the Sony logo, it has the Oh yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't you don't know it's that, and then when it started, I was like, oh yeah, that was what that was. But, um, so this kid likes to, has a soundtrack for his life, basically, just so he doesn't have to listen to ringing in his ears. But he also likes to sync it up in, like, a movie way. Like, they're, they're, they're heist, he's a getaway driver. So when they're, he actually presses play on a particular song when the heist is about to start, so it all kind of matches up. That's his thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. Like having cool moments to his music. Um, the beginning of the movie was interesting to me. You know when it started and you said you really like that scene where he's walking down the street to get the coffee? Mm -hmm. And I, I really like that too. It starts and he starts bobbing his head in the Everything car. Everything he's doing yeah. is actually to the music as if it is a music video. Right. And now I didn't know really what this movie was 100% and that started. And I had the feel, I was like, is this a musical? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Are, is this like La La Land? Like, are, are we actually going to get other characters going to sing in a minute? I, and I, I was, I was like, I actually hope not because I don't love that. And it really feels like it's going that way. I was like, oh, when he starts spinning around in the street and stuff, I was like, oh, yeah. this is going to be dancing and singing. But then it doesn't go that way. It's just that opening sequence that le- I was like, ooh, ooh no. Because you didn't like the opening sequence to La La Land so much, Correct. right? No. it was. I thought we were going that way for a second, and then it doesn't go that way. It's, it's actually just a standard kind of heist movie with, mm-hmm. with music in it. Um, and it never actually revisits that kind of scene again, does it? To what, I mean, he dances in his... Um, a little bit, but not much. Yeah, he dances in his foster dad's house a little bit sometimes when he's kind of fallen in love. He's kind of dancing around the, you know, just a little bit. But I mean, also, when that opening scene was playing and the credits are kind of over the top of it, it said choreography by, and then I was like, oh, this is a dance movie. <laughs> As soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> but no, it is not. So if you are not into musicals and dancing, this is not that. Yeah, don't let it scare you away <laughs> in the first five minutes. Yeah, there might be somebody. Although if you don't like music as a big player in a movie, you might not like it. So, yeah, because you know. this is a lot of music, i got to say. I mean, all, I would say every scene has some form of music in it. Even when they're talking, there's music in the background. So, um, you know me. I do. Um, Sid Talk, that I love heists, <laughs> right? I know you very well. Now, th- I wouldn't class this movie as a heist movie because you don't see any of the heists. It's more of a car getaway movie, like The Driver or Vanishing Point or something like that. It's about after the heist is finished and how we get away from the heist in the car. You don't actually see inside. In fact, they make a point. Of you never seeing the heist, right? You just see it through a window, or mm-hmm. they they never follow them inside and do that, do all that stuff. It's really about baby, and he's a good getaway driver. The car stunts are excellent, I must say. That beginning one, where he does that spin in the like Fast and the Furious style in the uh, street. Tell everybody my opinion on races, um, car chases. You bore they bore you. Yeah. Um, you you get really bored with car chases in general. And so uh, car chases about? and fights between people. Correct. So what do you think I thought about these particular car races? Chases. Uh, You're married to me for, I don't know, 17 years? You thought they were boring. No. <laughs> that was quite good. So, <laughs> now, they weren't super drawn out, for instance. They were pretty tight. There's three of them, True. pretty much, in the movie. You know, middle, beginning, and uh, an end. And... Um, I thought they were all really excellent. The, the second one, where the um, civilian who who has guns in his car decides to make it difficult for them. Yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. Unexplained, but interesting. Yeah. You have it, to kind of fill in the gaps on that one. Like, what is that guy doing? But you'd have to just think, you keep calling him Soldier Boy, so you have to assume a Joe Citizen has decided that Brinks truck is an easy target, and I'll be if I'm going to let anybody come along. And then on his own, he's just watching over it. That's all you can do, really, is guess that's the situation. Well, those stunts seem really realistic. That On that particular one, where they were going up and down the banks, uh, uh, where the road, where well, it was on the grass, actually, where it goes sideways. And the way it was looking at it, I was like, wow, I don't, you know, there's loads of traffic. It didn't look like a closed street that they were doing it on. It just looked really realistic. And then there's a giant kind of car standoff in the end 
um, in a multi-story car park, which was interesting to look at. If not slightly disappointing for me, and you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, <laughs> after you know, when you have when you have a really cool and like, you know, baddie. Don't say it. Yeah. Um, that always seems what happens always seems disappointing. It's like it's not very creative. We've seen it a billion times, but it was um, interesting visually to look at. Um, what did you think of the love story in this movie? I liked it actually, and I'm not a huge love story fan either. So I got a lot of things I don't love. I don't because there is a love story. Yeah, I don't. I'm not in love with. Love stories being thrown into a story, for example, Titanic, Pearl Harbor, etc., just because you think you need to throw that in to kind of, like, make it interesting. That is annoying. But this one, while it seems a bit dopey and overly romantic, because I'm not a romantic, I think that's kind of obvious, it's sweet enough without being, like, saccharine sweet. You know, it made sense to me. Even though we don't get any background on her at all, no. Why she wants to kind of just escape or get away. It's enough, because that's not really the heart of the story to me. And right. that's one of my one of my things about this movie. It doesn't really have a story, which is interesting. To me, it doesn't. It doesn't have a big overall thing. It's, you're plugged into this kid's kid. He's a grown man, but into his involvement with these people. Some more stuff happens, and then it goes on. His thing goes on, but there's no, there's not like a, a moral tale, really. Well, I don't know. Well, I guess pointing out the difference between them as criminals and him as a criminal, but still, he's a criminal. Yeah, it, that that's what I liked about it. Is it a gray area because you know you you get to like um, Baby and Deborah mm-hmm. a lot, and you you start to really like them, but then you have to realize that. Baby is actually a criminal, but then he's also almost being... But he has choices. He's always had choices. He does have choices, but some of the choices... Well, Kevin Spacey doesn't really give him choices. Well, he does. He, he gives him choices and then says there's only one answer to that. Yeah, there's a, there's two choices. You go along with it or you deal with the consequences. And there's the consequences are, I will kill your family and... That's still a choice. Right. But still, he's he's never going to let him kill his family, so he has to go along with it. Right, but I'm just saying, he that's his choice. <laughs> he could just walk away, let the bad shit happen, and that's it. But like, the thing is, there's a there's a gray area always. You're like, well, baby's has been, baby hasn't killed people. I mean, you can they make in it a, quite clear in the movie that when somebody gets killed in America and probably in England as well, that any crime that is committed in the commission of a federal crime, like a bank robbery or like these heists, which are bank robberies based essentially, um, is a felony. Because the felony that's happening, the other stuff wouldn't have happened if the felony wasn't happening. Right. So you're going, even if you pick up somebody's pocketbook and stick it in your purse, in your bag, it's petty thief, theft, but. Because it was in the commission of a felony, I believe then you get, it's going to be worse for you, basically. Right. So, yeah. So everything that he did, he was part of something bad. He's a criminal. He gets paid for doing a job. And uh, so there are times where I'm like, well, you know, they all deserve what they get, like everybody. Yep. But then there are times where I'm like, no, this kid really wants out of this deal. And 
I really like him. And these other people are assholes. <laughs> like, they are. That's true. Get a good good lesson in how not to be an asshole. Because Baby has, has actually got a heart. You can tell. They make it clear that he's got a heart by some of the things he does. And somebody like, um, you know, what's he called? I didn't write him down on the list even though. Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox. He's uh, a big deal. Yeah, I'm saying somebody like Jamie Foxx is a complete asshole, right? Like he's, yeah. like there's nothing good like going on in this guy. Um, so, you know, it's, um, there were moments where I was like, should I be rooting for this guy or should I not? Like, it's a good, one of those, you know, it's an overused term, but anti-hero is a thing because you're not supposed to root for him. No. But you, you just, you but know. But you can't, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, well, some bad stuff went on when he was a kid, and he shouldn't, you know. Yeah, but then we, if we heard Bat's story, who's Jamie Foxx, we might be like, oh, poor guy. But and never mind that he kills somebody everywhere he goes, because <laughs> yeah. he had a really hard time when he was a kid. Right, but I, I, was, I was combining the, oh, he had a bad time as a kid, and he comes to this diner because his mother used to work here, and there's just all loads of things that took on my heartstrings with him. Yeah, know? but... I'm saying, if we heard bad story, you would have to deal with the same. You'd have to go, well, yeah, poor guy. And he was just an upbag. Yeah. Um, Sugarcoated. Now, like, um, so, Baby has been in a car accident and he's no parents, so he's with this foster father. And the foster father is deaf. And he's an old man. And an old man. Now, all that part to me felt a bit forced, you know, like about the, just about the hearing thing. Um, I wasn't 100%, you know, like he said, baby, I'm looking after him now. Yeah. All that part felt a bit like just for the plot to me. To make another person to be at threat. Yeah, another person at threat. Because he didn't really utilize that stepfather at all. You're not stepfather, foster. Father. I mean, foster father. They didn't really utilize him apart from like being being in danger. In danger, yeah. Is is that thing like you know when Kevin Spacey says, "I will come and get you and your family." Well, his That's family his is family, that man, yeah. right? So it all that all felt like in service to the plot to me. Also, and to have another person with a disability, you know, and then John Hamm does the thing with the disability at the end. Yeah. So it was playing on that stuff. But the whole thing with this foster father, I didn't... That wasn't my favorite part of the plot. I didn't really care that much. feel really... I did. I felt really bad for him. <laughs> so, I don't think you're just being heartless. No, I, I don't know. It just the way it was played, it was my least favorite part of the thing. I just... I don't know. It just felt a bit... Well, mm. I'll remember that when someone comes after me to get to you, and you're going to be like, I don't really care. So, well... Just well, go I, ahead, I, I did fall. I did like the love stories in this, and there are, there are um, baby and Deborah, and uh, also Buddy and Darling. They have a love story in a yeah, weird, in a weird, I agree. and it's real, and you it's can feel it. It's a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. Yeah, they're they're horrible, both of them, but there's definitely a love story, and I felt it like so. You know, he I will agree. do anything for her, <laughs> like yeah. anything. And uh, that was, I really like both love stories, and they're both very different from each other. So, um, yeah, it's uh, the way the music is used. The visuals are really good. Um, the car stunts and everything are all practical. There's no CG. Um, 
in fact, he's like he said, they they did some effect shots, but the only effect shots they actually did were putting more cars on the road than there actually was. They'd CG'd cars in right. just to make the roads look fuller when they did the car chases, but there actually no CG in terms of stunt action or cars driving. So when you see a car drift around a corner and then go backwards and then straighten up, it's all that's all real stunt driving. Um, so all that was, I thought, really done well. He's a really good cinematographer, or the guy he uses for a cinematographer. He knows... I knew when I watched Scott Pilgrim that he understands action sequences because that movie is just action sequences. It's like you have to realize, you have to admit though, it's very comic book action. It is. Yeah, we're so, not talking about just like straight up Bond kind of old school. No, it's stylish. Definitely. Yeah, uh, and I know you said you didn't like this. There's some spinning around scenes, no. which is your bad. Oh my god, no! I actually didn't notice them, but that must be because I was really enjoying this movie. I just didn't. I might have blanked it out. I did, I did, there was one, oh yes there was, one spinning around scene that I recognize now thinking back was when they were having the dinner together. Yeah, that's the one I pointed out, was like, oh my god. Yeah, it wasn't too bad though. I'm not a fan of the spinning around. Yeah, it is an overused thing, I think. So uh, moving on to the cast, Ansel Elgort plays Baby. I don't actually know this kid. We saw him in a trailer for another movie at the beginning. Seen him in something, for sure. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him. But how good is he as this baby guy? Really good. I was really, I was really into him. I like how they kind of, um, like at the beginning where they all think he's mute because he doesn't really say no, much. No, it is the one guy. Yeah. He's like, are you mute? No. I like that part. <laughs> yeah. But, um, really he is, um, he's a kid. He's not, I've not got a lot of words. He's pretty quiet and he's internal. Oh, I see what he was in. What? Fault in your stars. I've never seen it. Oh, Fault in my stars. And you will remember, you'll know this when I say it. He's the brother in Divergent, Insurgent, Allergent, whatever those three movies are. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes. Now I know. Exactly. Yeah. But he, I think he did an excellent job in this movie because he's, he's carrying a lot of stuff. You know, there's some big stars in this movie. Like, and, um. He does hold his own for sure. Yeah. He has to just. You know, Baby's character is very internal to himself and doesn't want to really... He doesn't get involved in conversations, for sure. There's none of that. He just... In fact, mostly he has his earphones in, but he is still listening to you, which is interesting. He he is... Just as a little background on the actor guy, his parents are a New York City photographer and an opera director. Well... So, yeah, he's got some... Some show business type. Yeah, artsy. DNA. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought he was excellent. I like to see him in other things. In fact, there was a trailer for another movie at the beginning uh, with him in it, with uh, yeah. Kick-Ass Girl. And that looked good, too. Dramatic. I mean, it looked like he had a really dramatic part. Um, John Bernthal plays Griff. You know John Bernthal from The Walking Dead, Shane, or The Punisher from Marvel. What do you think of John? Boring. Cool. Boring. I thought he was pretty cool. Oh, that was really boring. He was... Um, I don't really have any other words for him. He was I, one of the it's heisters. It's really hard for him to get me to like him, and I liked him in The Punisher as the Punisher in the Daredevil. In Daredevil. Don't know about a full-on assault of him in a whole show. And I didn't like him in, as Shane in Walking Dead, even though Shane was a whole... Like, he really committed to that character, but I don't know if that's him, because he acts that way now and everything. So I'm not a huge fan. 
And he's been in a couple other movies as kind of bit parts where you're like, oh, same, same guy. Yeah. You know, tuned up with his shoulders all cocked up and just like, yeah, fuck everything, man. He actually, he actually <laughs> That's looks. That's my impression. He made the Punisher like just jarring almost right in the same time zone and he looks like the Punisher in this. He's pretty tooled up. Yeah. Like he's, he's, <laughs> he's, um, you know, beefed up and he's got the kind of Punisher hairstyle. So. Yeah, I just kept looking at him and thinking, Punisher. I really liked him in this. I know. Um, I can't come, account for your taste. <laughs> don't come to this film thinking it's a John Bernthal film, though. He's not in it a lot. No. <laughs> um, Jamie Foxx plays uh, Bat. Bats. What do you think of Jamie Foxx? Uh, like I told you when we were taking a break, sometimes Jamie Foxx is sort of comic booky. Like, he's being kooky. Trying to be badass but kooky at the same time, and I don't get that. And then other times he's just being that high quality. He knows what the hell he's doing, you know, Oscar-winning actor, and it just doesn't come out all the time. It drives me crazy. So what do you think he was doing here? Both, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so a little like, bit of both. A bit so. of Django Unchained and a bit of... Yes, because in Django Unchained, it's like he's... It's right. He fits right. And he takes it super seriously because he did, obviously, a uh-huh. serious thing. But in this, it's like he just was a... I understand he's supposed to be like a nutbag. And he's threatening. But I, felt, I don't know. I felt there was some... The diner scene where he where they go for something to eat. Yes, that, that was the There was a lot one. of tension in that. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Um, and all the tension came from him. Absolutely. So I give him that. Um, and he, you know, he's just a cool kind of streetwise guy in this. Who's a, a criminal. He's not cool. He's well, horrible. He's ca- I mean, he's got the cool look. Like I mean, he's he, horrible. He's just he's got like this a cool, serial he's, killer with an excuse. Yeah, I'm just thinking more of how he looks. He's like this. Um, he's, he's got like a, I don't know, like he's like, not cool. Like Run DMC in the '80s look. Uh, John Hamm plays Buddy. John Hamm, Don Draper. Yeah, I know him. What do you think of John Hammond here? <laughs> well, it was pretty good. I mean, again, he has his moments where they're all trying to puff up against each other, I think. Like, look, you know, being the, in that one scene where they're all introducing introducing us to, the, to us all. Introducing yeah. us to them all. So we got a little bit carried away with the, like, overly coolness, but then kind of brought it back for the crazy scenes where he's lost his shit. Those were the best ones. Yeah, he's more... He has more of a part. He's like... Out of all the bad guy people, I think he's the one that really leads the bad guys. Like, he has the most screen time, really, of them all. True. And that moment, what I talked about, where the, where he, dun, 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 when he does yeah. that shooting. That shooting, that was, I was like, yes. <laughs> that is, you know, shit's just happened. That is what he's going to do. It's a, uh, you'll know when you watch the film. He uh, fires his machine gun in time to the, music and it's just like a badass kind of moment for him but yeah he is a scumbag also <laughs> like, exactly <laughs> i worry when you think these people are cool but i get it i mean cool in movie terms but yeah yeah because uh, this is a real fantastical kind of thing really i mean nothing would go down in this way would it it's all true very movie like um elza gonzalez who we know actually very well because we've watched all three seasons of uh, from dust till dawn the series and she plays a uh, Panda Monica. I can't remember her real name. Panda you know. Monica. Yeah, she's the. Yeah. Uh, she's, you know, the main. Not bad guy, but 
Well, she she flips and flops, doesn't she? She's a good guy, she's a bad guy. In this movie? No, in uh, Dusseldorf. Oh, yeah. Um, she, she plays the role that in the movie from Dustal Dawn, I'm blanking on a name, you'll know. Salma Hayek? Yeah, Salma Hayek in the movie from Dustal Dawn. Eliza Gonzalez plays that role in the series. And Let's just say, that's a good show. Yeah, it's a really cool show. <laughs> Unexpectedly, I really enjoyed it. It's even got a vibe of this movie, kind of. Like a the bit. cool kind of bad guy thing with the two brothers, you know? Like, they've got that bank robbery cool thing going on. But um, she's awesome, and in this movie, I was hoping to see more of her, but there's not much, really. No, I mean, it's right, I think. She gets to do some action. Um, There's not much of a talking. I wish she'd be either one or the other, a little more crazy or a little more tough. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, she... When she was doing the thing with the two guns, spraying the two guns, I was like, she's actually done that in Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> they actually had scenes of her firing two guns, so she's already done that before. But yeah, she's a, you know... Unfortunately, they kind of only use a kind of a sex appeal in this movie a lot. Yeah. Where she's just kind of, you know, slinkily walking around away and stuff. But we know she plays a really tough chick in that Dust Till Dawn. I like her. I like to see her in more stuff. Definitely. Lily James plays Deborah, uh, the love interest of Baby. What do you think of Deborah? I liked her. Again, a little too sweet for me, but it works overall. Yeah, she was going to. Who did I say she was going to be? She was going to be um, Emma Stone, but Emma Stone dropped out. Plus, then, Emma Stone would have been way too old, like I said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't not, know how old she is, but. Not like Emma Stone is an elderly right. character. No, but it didn't seem like it would fit. I really like this Lily James. We've seen her before. Cinderella, I believe. Something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. And um, I like her. She, But yeah, she they've designed her in this. She's kind of sweet. We don't really know a lot about her, it's unfortunate. I wanted to know a bit more about her. But it was just like... Yeah, you don't get much backstory. No, it's, she's just a love interest. And there's a very quick bond. That love story is very quick, isn't it? It's like True. accelerating. <laughs> um, but I liked her. Uh, Kevin Spacey plays Doc. We all know Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Give me your opinion on Kevin Spacey. He's boring. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Kevin. There's your definitive. I can't help it. He's not interesting anymore. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything interesting. He looks like shut up. Yes, I did. Yes, I will kill you. I will kill everyone. Shut up. So I'm gonna say something weird now. But I'm the bad guy. So you still have to be scared of me. I mean, I understand it's part of the writing, but he's just a dude who's like 60 years old in a big trench coat or a nice suit. He probably smells good. He's the bad guy. I couldn't care less. No, I he's think, not interesting at all. I think if you had a little box and you put actors in it. Um, <laughs> How big is this box? <laughs> oh, it's a pretty big box. <laughs> So you've got this massive box. I'm interested in putting these performers in this box. You're down at the docks. This big crane has dropped down this big box. And uh, Kevin Spacey got slung in the box. Yeah. And then you then you throw in this, uh, these other people. Yeah. And I think that Ray Winstone would go in the box of Kevin mm. Spacey. That seems about right. Because he, he's boring to you. Like, he's yeah. just the same. <laughs> I'm tough. And Not tough, though. That's the, my problem. I mean, that's what I'm trying to project. I'm tough and nobody messes with me. the threat is from them being more of an asshole than of being dangerous. I felt John Hamm 
at some point, became more dangerous than Kevin Spacey. The way he played it, the motivation for his character, you know, Spacey's only motivation is money. Right. Everybody else has their own kind of weird reason for wanting to be psychopath or criminal or whatever. And his is just because he looks like a fat cat who wants to make a little money. Everybody else has an interesting reason to be a crazy bad guy or a woman. So what What if I replaced, I got the actor box out and I grabbed Robert De Niro and put him into Kevin Spacey's. Same thing. Robert's getting a little boring as well. I, that's what I was going to say. I'm trying to think of people who were in this box. <laughs> They're all in the box, aren't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are you trying to say? That I think everybody's boring? Elderly actors who are, who are just playing the tough guy from now on. <gasps> who are only boring me. And it's yeah. very important that you don't bore me. Correct. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate. So, um, yeah, um, I liked uh, him, uh, Kevin Spacey, but you're right. It's not exactly a challenge or anything. He just has to stand there with his sunglasses on, deliver some, like... Basically, you know, when you see any of these type of heist movies, they have the, um, where you go into the room, they have the chalkboard and they show you, here's where we're going to go, here's what we're going to do. You watch more heist movies than I do. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a big trite thing in heist movies, is the plan. We'll show you the plan and here are us all sat around looking at the plan. So Kevin Spacey is just the guy who delivers the plan. And finally, here we've got C.J. Jones as Joseph, the um, foster father. I said to you that was my least favorite part of the movie. What did you think? I liked him. I thought he was really good. He pulled out my emotions. He actually really is a deaf actor. They didn't make a hearing actor fake a deaf deaf person, which they should never do. So I do give him something for that. And him being very righteous of you to decide that for Hollywood. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) And him being deaf had you know again. Part, part of the story. Part yeah. of the story. This is directed by Edgar Wright. As I mentioned earlier, we all know him. We love him. Do we? We do. Yeah, I'm talking for everybody. <laughs> he directed the uh, Cornetto trilogy, as they call it: Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. He also directed Scott Pilgrim and Now Baby Driver. Um, he also partially directed Ant Man for Marvel, but then was uh, sent on his little way. Because of creative differences. <laughs> so, um, what do you think of uh, Edgar as a director? I think he has a very specific him. Like Tarantino is specific. Yeah, it is specific. I mean, it's not like Tarantino, obviously. But, yes, he has his very specific... Um, I don't know that I could identify an Edgar Wright movie necessarily. There haven't been that many. But if you showed me one that I'd never heard of, I don't know because it's got a little bit of... We've seen comic bookiness, and that's what it is to me. Comic book mixed with music video, and then trying to also be um, a little bit of born thrown in there. You know, a little bit of like rust and rough and ready on the side. I mean, you used to be able to identify his movies by the fact that Simon Pegg was in there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. He he might have been in this one somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Um, But as I say, he seems to have ditched him along the way, and he's gone the Star Trek direction. So um, I like Edgar Wright stuff, all of it. There's nothing I don't like. I really love Scott Pilgrim. I've watched it so many times. Um, it's really awesome. You should go and watch Scott Pilgrim if you haven't. So extras on the Blu-ray here, which is out on Tuesday. Uh, it's a decent Blu-ray. It looks really good. There are some extras. And very awesomely, they are not telling me on the back what the extras are. Over, <laughs> over 20 minutes of extended and deleted scenes. 
There's Mozart in a go-kart, Ansel Drives. There's uh, Animatics. There's a thing about the movie called about the music called I Need a Killer Track. And more. We watched uh, most of these things, and uh, the extras are really good. There's actually a commentary with uh, Edgar Wright, which I will definitely listen to this week, because um, I do love commentaries. But uh, yeah, it's a decent selection of extras. Uh, one warning, though, and it is really weird. Before this movie starts, you get a bunch of trailers, which we like to watch. And then af- straight after the trailers, there's a commercial telling you to stay tuned after the movie to see some extras. And it shows you scenes from the movie, and it's a big spoiler, right? Pretty annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. I said, we closed our eyes and started, because we didn't want to see it. we're very particular about this guy. But I mean, it, it shows you the, the bits that I did see were parts of the heists, which is, you don't really want to know about before you watch it. And not so. even as the movie, but as extras. So they're showing you like the making of. Yeah. So, um, yeah, close your eyes or skip the trailers at the beginning completely if you don't want this movie spoiled for you in any way. It's a really weird place to put. It's almost like I always hope that they never do this, put in a trailer for the movie that you're going to watch at the beginning of the movie. Because... I haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that, but how much would that suck? Hmm. So thanks to Sony for the Blu-ray. Next week's Blu-ray review will be A Ghost Story. Coming up to Halloween, so we've got a ghosty oh, kind yeah. of movie. And uh, that stars uh, some people. Nice. Act. <laughs> <laughs> That's very compelling of you. It is. Uh, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, I believe. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's a ghost story. We'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going, as we just watched Baby Driver. I was thinking of a car chase movie that I'd like that has a style to it. And it would be Tarantino's Death Proof. It's not a perfect movie, but I do love the car chase parts and the part where the, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of that dude in the car, the stu- old stunt driver. Mm. Plus, the car chase parts are very well filmed. the The movie's basically a big long car chase, Death Proof by Quentin Tarantino. And my other one is thinking of really cool heist movies from back in the day. It's Thunderbolt and Lightfoot with um, Clint Eastwood. A fantastic heist movie. Um, I could watch it all day. It is that good. One of my favorites. I don't. Have you ever seen it? Don't think so, but I, you can imagine why. Oh, it's so good. It's from the 70s. <laughs> car chases have never been my... No, it's not a car chase. It's a heist movie, really. Yes, yes, there's a car chase, but it's more like a, a big heist movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot from the 70s slash 80s. And uh, yours are? My recommendations are going in line with the movies I've been watching this week because, of course, it is my Halloween time of the year. So don't take these as this movie's really good, therefore you should go and watch it. This is just, this is what I've been watching more than my recommendation. <laughs> Number one, Cult of Chucky. Now, I'm not a huge Chucky franchise fan. I'm not the person who has the good guy's doll in my other room or anything like that. However, I took it upon myself last year or the year before to watch all the Chuckies up to that date. And now I've watched the, the most recent and it was actually all right. I, I'm getting a little over the excessive 
um, overly, I don't know, the gore of this type, I find it a little bit pushy. When the story and everything they could be doing and get be just as successful. Although it feels like fanfare. Like they're really playing to the fans here. So that's fine. And my other one is called Hellions. You know, like those little Hellions down the street. And uh, it's not great. It's not good. It's Jesus. below good. I love that you recommend things that are not good. <laughs> that's my recommendation. I don't think you understand recommendations. But I think what you need to do is watch the movie yourself. I wouldn't have watched Hellions if I hadn't just been looking for, what, 20 minutes for a movie to watch. And I was like, screw it. Netflix, just flick, 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 boom. I'm picking this one. I'm watching it. And it's got Terminator 2 in it, which is what I call Robert Patrick. Not... It's trying to be something that it doesn't achieve. So it's creepy. It is creepy. And there were moments I was even like, oh, ugh, ugh, ugh. Right? So that's something that's stimulating. And the young lady who's in it, really good. I thought she did a really good job given what she was given to do. So Hellions and Cult of Chucky. Right, good. Well done. Well said. Uh, Thanks for recommending movies that are actually not that good. (laughs) Correct. Games and A-Scully stuff. I've been playing a lot of uh, Forza Motorsport 7 this week. It's the new Forza Motorsport. It's the track-based one, not the open-world one. So you race around racetracks. There's been a big controversy this week that there is loot boxes inside the Forza game now. It seems to be loot bo- I said to you, there seems to be loot boxes in all games at the moment. It needs to stop, probably, because it, <laughs> uh, it doesn't affect me. I don't really care. But I can see if you're that kind of person with an addictive have to, you know, buy the loot box. Because, A, you get faster cars if you buy the loot box and randomly you might get a nice car can see people spending lots of money on that shit even when they've you know they've already paid for the game it just seems very um, insidious and it's like mobile gaming you know when you most mobile games even plants versus zombies you can buy stuff in the game but at least in that case on the mobile games you haven't actually paid for the game in the first place it's free and then you can pay if you want to but with a game like Forza, where you've paid $60 for the game, and then they're asking you to buy things, that just seems like a, taking a piss. So, as far as the game is concerned, it's a really cool race. For the game. American people, taking the piss means making fun of you. Right. So, um, the uh, game itself is really awesome. Best graphics you've seen in any racing game. Um, lots of races to do. You know, you win so many races, you get a loot crate, you open a box, you might get a new car, you eventually get enough money to buy cars. There's 700 cars in the game, the idea is to collect them all. It's kind of like Pokemon, but for cars. There's so many races, like hundreds and hundreds of races. This is a game that will last you a whole year if you play racing games, and that's the reason they bring out a Forza this time every year. So yeah, highly recommended. It's on the Windows Store only. So if you hate the Windows Store and you only use Steam... Uh, your shit out of luck (laughs) because Microsoft who make this game decided to only put it on the Windows Store which I understand because they're trying to sell you the Windows Store right so uh, the other thing I've been playing this week uh, EA if you're actually listening to this uh, this weekend you can go to origin.com the origin client or you can go on the PS4 or the Xbox One and download the Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta. 
And this is a really cool beta that, that they've done here with it. They've, they give you uh, unlimited multiplayer basically on two maps, uh, for the whole weekend. And you can also play the space battles, which are new for Battlefront. So you can fly an X-Wing or a TIE Fighter and, you know, have dogfights and there's like missions to do. Like you have to go and bomb the Death Star, that kind of thing. Um, so they give you a taster of that as well. What's big for this year's Star Wars Battlefront, though, and what was totally missing from the first one, is there was no story mode in the first one. Well, this year they've actually worked with Lucasfilm to make a story mode, and it's an actual full campaign. And what's really cool about it is it's canon in the Star Wars. They've count they're counting it as canon. It's the story of uh, after Return of the Jedi when. Spoilers. The Empire kind of falls. <laughs> <laughs> it is... So imagine the end scene of Return of the Jedi where they're all celebrating on Endor and everybody's singing and dancing. Imagine how the the uh, Empire feel up there in space in their Pissed. big battle cruisers. Yeah, so in up there in space, they're devising the plan to fight back against the rebels and you're a member of a female uh, stormtrooper, but you're one of those black stormtroopers, the elite ones, and she is sent on the mission to um, make the rebels downfall again. So it's a big crucial part of Star Wars that you're actually going to experience in a video game, and it looks amazing. Like they EA have got it, the look of it perfect. So it's, it doesn't come out till November, the actual full game. That's when you can play that story. But for this weekend, and I think it's up to Tuesday, you can uh, play the multiplayer and the dogfighting. And it's all free to play. It's at Origin.com or PlayStation Store or the Xbox Store. Highly recommend it, but I am a Star Wars fan. Svengoolie, what is it? Svengoolie is a horror host who does a weekly presentation of a horror movie of some kind. And he dresses in a funny costume and he... uh Tells some of my bad jokes. It's like he started as a local guy in Chicago and is now on MeTV every Saturday night. He presents a movie, but within like a two-hour show with little things in between. And tonight's movie is Duel by Steven Spielberg, I believe. Yeah, we we have already seen this we one. Have. It's very good. Well, it's not very good, but it's interesting. It's, yeah, Spielberg's very first movie. It was a TV movie. But it's just interesting. I really liked it. It's a car chase movie. It's a little relentless, and some (laughs) might find it to be a little bit boring. (laughs) On the theme of this movie, it's literally a car chase, truck chase movie. Truck chasing a car. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that is on tonight. What is for dinner? Jimmy John's. Mmm, yeah. Yeah. I don't really want to cook anything. And what is your advice? Find your balance. Find whatever it is that every day, if you've got this over here pulling you down, you've got another thing over there that can balance you out. Or if you're a person who can't focus on one project at a time, which is like how I am, I'm learning now that I can do two or three at a time. Whereas in the past, I've like, okay, I'm finishing this. I'm doing this one project. I'm going to finish it. And inside of that plan, I get distracted and distracted and distracted. And all the while, I'm like, oh, I should be doing that. I should be doing that. So instead, I'm like, I got three projects going. So when I'm over here and I get ready to be distracted from this one, 
I'll go, oh, I'll go be productive on that one and be productive on this one and then back to the first one. All the while, I am being productive and yet I'm letting myself be distracted because some things can get a little, take a long time. So, find your balance. Well done. I um, have that problem with playing video games, you know, when several come out at the same time. And I think, well, I'm going to commit myself to this one. I'm going to get this one. I'm going to see this one through to the end. <laughs> but then I want to go and play this one a little bit and that one a little bit. I've noticed. And then sometimes don't ever go back to that one. You know, like yeah. that one becomes the less interesting of all of the ones. So sometimes you have to just like singularly focus and sometimes you can spread Correct. around. Bounce around. So uh, I'll remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sid.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Google Music Play, Google Play Store. The Google. You can also catch it on the iTunes Music Store, the RSS feed on aschoolie.com. Just click on the word podcast. And uh, new, the TuneIn um, radio. TuneIn radio. If you've got an Amazon Alexa... That's so she can't hear me. Um, if you've got one of those, uh, you can uh, say, um, what can you say? You can say, Alexa, play after the show, movie podcast on TuneIn, and she will play you the latest episode. It does work. We have confirmed it. You can also email aschoolie at com with your feedback, or don't email SidTop. <laughs> you can. Um, it's free country. It's free world. And uh, stay classy, Mr. Edgar Wright. And here's to another 500 after the shows. Yeah, number 500. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you.